Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. My name is Lita. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at South Bay Community Church, and I'll be giving the word today, if that's okay with y'all. Our pastor, Brian, is enjoying the cold Alaskan waters and the glaciers and mountains up high, and we uh, are glad he's doing it because he can recharge and renew and come back and continue to lead us and serve us in a way that brings us closer to God. So make sure you give him a pat on the back when you see him again. Welcome back. Hope you had a restful time. If you can, turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter. Go to chapter 1. Verse 13, we're currently on the series of Peter. We're breaking it down section by section. Today's section is verses 13 to 25. I'm going to read for us. Therefore, and I have ESV by the way. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, And all is glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Father God, we just open our hearts to you right now. We ask your spirit would fall in this place. That you would awaken the sleeping. That you would rise the dead. That you would cause our hearts to fall in love all over again with our Creator. We submit this time to you. It is all yours. For your glory 
to make you more famous here. We are yours, God. Mold us in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I really wrestled with the text this week. You can literally preach 20 different sermons from this one passage. Minimum. I really tried my best to present it to you in a way that's digestible and relevant. So, can I get your permission to preach what I see from the Word this morning? What I feel God is telling us this morning? The title is Swimming Against the Current. Swimming Against the Current. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You're in a river and there's a current flowing one way and you're trying to swim the other. Not too easy, is it? Arms get tired, legs get fatigued, you get out of breath. Once you start slacking, you start slipping away with the river. Constantly swimming against the flow. Not easy. I think that's what this passage is about. It's about swimming against the river. I see commands to swim against this river of society. And I call them separation imperatives. Imperative just means command and separation because I believe that Peter, or the author here, is writing to tell us to separate from society. To pull yourself out of this culture. Swim against the current. Be countercultural, counterintuitive, sometimes illogical. It's filled with these commands, these separation imperatives. So we're going to jump right in. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verses 13, be sober-minded. Again in 14, be obedient children, do not conform. Peter is telling them to not give in the culture that they live in. You see, there's Christian persecution at this time. Emperor Nero would take Christians and light them up in his garden on fire while they're alive, just to provide light for his places of rest. He would take Christians and he would throw them in a lion's den in a coliseum just for entertainment. Christians are persecuted at this time. And what Peter is doing, he's telling them, don't give in. Don't give up. Hold your ground. And even if it wasn't that kind of heavy persecution, these Christians wouldn't take part in the religious festivals of the Roman gods. So a lot of the people in the local places would blame the Christians if the crops didn't yield that season. They say, look at the Christians. They brought this mess on our hands because they're not offering sacrifices like we are. There was persecution and pressure all around like the gravity we feel of this earth. And Peter is telling them, hold your ground. How many of us need to hear this this morning? Hold your ground. Swim against the current. Come on. Come on, guys. I'm two clicks away from a porn site. 
I'm two credit card swipes away from buying clothes I don't need. I'm two seconds away from saying whatever's on my mind, acting a fool, hurting someone's feelings. I'm too selfish to think about obeying God, swimming against the current. Then he fires another imperative. In verse 15, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. What does holy mean? Very simply stated, it just means being set apart for God. Being set apart. Being separate. But it's complete separation in thought, in deed, in being, in identity. We have to understand something though. We are already holy. As God's chosen people, as people redeemed, we are already holy. Verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 10, By that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The issue here is we're not living up to the status of holiness. We stand righteous in front of God. We stand a holy people forgiven of our sins. But we have to adjust now in this process we call sanctification to live up to this status of holiness. For the rest of our lives, we're going to be fixing this and striving and fighting. Or bad, just a little bit. Dad said no. Later that night, the dad cooked, baked some cookies for them. Daughters ate it, loved it. Oh, this is delicious, Dad. What'd you put in it? Dad's like, well, you know, the typical stuff. I put my sugar, put the eggs, put the flour, and you know, just a little bit of dog poop. Just, just a little bit of dog poop. Just, just a little bit. It just takes a little. Sometimes it just starts with a little. That advertisement you see online. Just a little glance over here this way. Just let that thought linger a little bit. Just a little. We have to remember. It was just a little walk that David took on that roof. When he saw Bathsheba, just a little walk. It was just a little bite of the fruit that Adam and Eve took that led to the fall of humanity. We have become too tolerant. We have become too loose. We allow too much garbage in and around us. And specifically, I want to encourage the parents in here. If you got teens with devices, technology... And if you got no filters on those technology and devices, and you let them roam free, you're opening a world of madness and mess and garbage and temptation into them. 
And it's not just for the parents, it's for us. What do we allow in and around us? What kind of garbage do we tolerate? Some garbage isn't that bad, at least seemingly. Do what makes you happy. I hate that phrase. I hate it. The bottom of my being, I hate it. I don't think God doesn't want us to be happy. I think He does. But that shouldn't be the driving thrust of our life. All the advice you hear on TV, all the advice you hear from friends given to another, do what makes you, well, what makes you happy? I think God cares about your holiness more than He cares about your happiness. I think He cares about your character more than He cares about your comforts. And a lot of times we get that mixed around. What makes me happy? That's what I'm going to do. But God's calling us to be holy as He is holy. But half the time, we're just giving each other this mess advice. Do what makes you happy. Go ahead, poke your neighbor. Say, do what makes you holy. You see here, Peter is one after another, one blow after another. He's pulling them away from society. Right? Be obedient children. Do not conform. Be holy as God is holy. He's trying to pull the readers of his letters away from the world they were living in. And that's what he's trying to do today. The Spirit of God is calling us, pulling us away from society. In this other separation imperative, verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. Oh goodness, I love that word exile. See, exile, it's, it's a stranger. It's one who lives in a place without the right of citizenship. A sojourner who have deep attachments and a higher allegiance in another sphere. The words emphasize both alien nationality and temporary residence. Church, some of us are a little too comfortable here. Say that again, since only this half heard that. Some of us are a little too comfortable on this earth. It's kind of like you show up to a dentist's waiting room setting up a full mattress set. You're only going to be there 15, 20 minutes, but you're setting up, you're bringing your king-size mattress, your dressers, you bring your nightstands. I'm going to get comfy in here. But God is telling us, you're an exile in this land. You don't belong. So why are you spending hours at the gym conditioning your physical body while your spiritual one is wasting away? Why are you pushing your kids' academic and athletic life and neglecting their spiritual one? Why are you spending huge resources building your kingdom completely neglecting God's? Family, we are exiles here. We don't belong on this earth. I know I would sound like a madman if I walked into Starbucks next door over here and said, I don't belong on this earth. People would put me away. They'd be like, he's 5150. Someone called the men in white suits. But we don't belong. 
Look at the words of Jesus. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. We're pitching our tents in the wrong universe. You're in exile here. And if the only time you think about God is when you're in trouble or when you're in church, you might not have the kingdom of God in your life. Don't get comfy. You're separate. You're holy. You're different. Stop conforming. One after another, Peter is casting out these separation imperatives. One after another, he's calling them to be completely separate from the society that they live in. But how is it possible? I mean, you feel like you're drowning. You got issues with your family. You got bills to pay. There's real life. I think he answers it right here in verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. I think the key here is in verse 18, that word knowing. I think the key is knowing. I think the key is knowing. Did I say that already? When you know something, well, let me just break it down to the, uh, the, the old times. When Adam knew Eve, they conceived. In the Bible, the word know, yada, is likened to conceiving things, to, to almost to intercourse. Actually, it is literally sometimes translated to intercourse in the Bible. What does that have to do with this? When you know something, it ought to conceive something from your actions. It ought to lead to what you think and what you do. It shouldn't be, I know this and now I'm going to sit on my thumbs the rest of my life. You know something, it should bring about new life in what you do on a Monday to Saturday, not just a Sunday. Knowing conceives. Just like Adam knew Eve and conceived a son. You know something. You conceive something. What do we know? Verse 18. You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways. You were ransomed by the imperishable blood of Jesus. That's what you know. That's what you know. That's the key to all of this separation holiness stuff. It's knowing the blood of Jesus. The imperishable blood of Jesus ransomed you. Hmm. Do you know that you were once held captive? Do you know that some of you are still held captive? I love this movie, Matrix. I think it's Brian's um, favorite movie. He asked me, Alita, what's your favorite movie one time? I was like, Notebook. And he's like, did you just... <laughs> he gave me this look. I'm not ashamed. But I like Matrix. I like it for this one scene. Morpheus sitting there in front of Neo, kind of like the chairs they used to have up here. You know, those special little leather chairs. 
And he's holding these two pills in front of him, one red, one blue, and he's offering him a way out of the matrix. You guys all remember this scene? This is what Morpheus says. Well, I mean, I can't do it as epic as Morpheus does, but Morpheus says this, Do you want to know what it is? He starts with no. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere, all around us. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your TV. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, or when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. We were all held captive. Ephesians 2.2 says that you were dead in your trespasses in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince and the power of the air. But it's because you now you know the imperishable blood of Jesus. You have been set free. Now that you know the gospel, now that you know and believe that Jesus lived, and in three days after he died, he rose again. Now that you know, you live, and you're free, and you can be holy, you can be my people, you can be separate, you don't have to conform anymore, because now you know, and knowing conceives a new life. You know the imperishable blood of Jesus. And if Jesus' blood makes us His children, why are we living like orphans? Why do we look, smell, and sound exactly like this world? Why are we so lethargic in our Christian walk? Well, God will get His when I get to it. Why are we still slaves to sin? Why are we putting our hope and joys in this world like everybody else? You see, we're free to struggle as a Christian people, but are we struggling to be free? We have to understand it starts with knowing the blood of Jesus. The further you deepen your understanding of the gospel, you can be free to live a life separate, to not conform a life of holiness as God is holy. But he doesn't stop at that. In verse 22, he says this, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. How do you live a life separate and holy? I think Peter here is saying, know the blood of Jesus. But he's saying, there's this imperishable seed. It's called the word of God. You live and abide in it. See, how do we... Follow these separation imperatives. You read Scripture. You memorize Scripture. You stand upon Scripture. You breathe Scripture. It's the Word of God that keeps you separate. Keeps you living a holy life separate from this world. Not conforming. That's counterculture, counterintuitive. The problem is most of us Christians. The Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it. You just scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. (laughs) 
There is a story of an Indian chief teaching the young braves. And the Indian chief tells a story. Within each human, there is a battle raging. There is a good dog and there is a bad dog. A good dog and an evil dog and they fight. And the good dog is winning sometimes. But sometimes the evil dog wins. Within each human. And the young braves ask him, well, which one's going to win? The chief says, the one you feed. Some of us are wondering why we have no victory in our lives. We're just like the next lemming in this system with jacked up relationships, ridden with anxiety and fear. Meanwhile, our Bibles are collecting dust somewhere in the house. Last time I picked it up, I don't even know when, because I'm supposed to have my Bible on my phone or device that I turn on whenever pastor tells me to. We can tell someone exactly how many yards every Seattle receiver ran in the Super Bowl or what stores have their best sales when. But we can't quote a Bible verse that's already written on the bottom of an In-N-Out cup. Can I preach today? Can I have your permission? your spirit is starving of course you're floating with the current instead of swimming against it you only feed your soul on a Sunday morning when the pastor preaches a really good word you know when it's on time because when it's not on time then (laughs) at least you look good We got communion this morning. I am really thankful that this word came to us at this time because I feel that these elements are about to give us a symbol of what happens in the spiritual realm. Because we've been talking about the blood of Jesus. And it's right here. Our challenge this morning is to swim against the current. And there's all these separation imperatives that Peter is telling us. He's saying, be sober-minded. Have self-control. Be as obedient children. Do not be conformed to this world. Be holy as I am holy. One after another, he sends these shockwaves that schisms the Christians away from society. And then he says this, it's possible because of the imperishable blood of Jesus. It's possible because of the imperishable seed, the word of God that you can stand upon. Here's my question to you this morning. What have you been doing that goes with the current? Are you hoarding your time and your possessions to yourself? Are you prioritizing your kids' athletic and academic achievements and development above their spiritual one? Are you shacking with someone that you're not married to? How will you respond to this word? 
How will you respond to God's call to be holy? Sure, it's easy to sit there and say, yeah, God's called me holy, and drive off to your nice home, eat a beautiful lunch, and take the Sunday afternoon off. That's easy, because that goes with the flow. But I really want, I really desire, I beg and plead of you to take this time to open your heart and say, God, you have called me to be holy. What are you saying to me? I give you my life. What are you calling me to do? You know, for, for me, sure, I can sit there and say, look, God, I'm holy. I'm separate. Look at my bank account. Look what I give to the church. Look what I give and, and people don't see. Sure, God, look at this thing that I do. I love people. I don't expect anything in return. Actually, I do want to teach the youth that. To say, at least say thank you when you drop them off at home. I want to teach them that. Sure, I can be quick to reconcile with my wife after we argue. But I was really thinking, God, what are you calling me to do? What, how are you calling me to live a life separate? To live a life holy? Because I can always look at my past and point at this thing. Well, look at this. I was a virgin before I was married. Look at this. I never touched alcohol till I was 21. I can always look at the past and say, yes, God, here is my resume. And I think a lot of us in this room have twice the size of a resume than me. I don't think God cares about that right now. I don't think he bats an eye at that. I think he cares about calling you into a deeper life of holiness to further enriching, to separate you further from this society that you live in, to put your entire identity in him. You see, it's, it's easy for me to look, to wake up in the morning, look at a mirror. Oh, look, there goes a, a handsome Asian American man walking down. <laughs> We're called to be exiles. We're called to be not of this world. To not put our hope in our identity here, but to put it in another sphere, in another universe. I'm not an Asian American primarily. That's a part of me, but that does not define me. I am defined by being an exile in a foreign land. I am defined by being a child of God. A father who created the universe... When you look in the mirror, uh-oh, what do you see? Do you see your cultural identity first? Do you see your achievements and mistakes and personality and flaws first? What do you see when you look in the mirror? I think Peter here is telling us, you need to identify yourself as an exile. You are holy. You're a righteous people. You're separate from this world. Stop putting your identity here. Start building for the kingdom there. And the question this morning to you is how do you do that? How is God calling you to deepen your relationship with Him? To further 
your holiness, to continue to separate yourself from society. You guys are holding your elements, right? Try not to gobble them down like we normally do. I want to give us some moments here to really reflect on this word. And to remind ourselves that it's knowing the blood of Jesus... It's knowing this very blood that enforces, equips, enables us to live a separate life. It's knowing the very elements that you're holding in your hand, symbolizing the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, that through the gospel you would have the power and authority to live a life separate from what the gravity of earth pulls you down to. We're going to have a couple minutes. I want you to reflect. I want you to pray. And when I say pray, I don't mean you talk to God. I mean you listen. Because a lot of the times when we pray, we do a lot of talking. And that's all we do. And by the end of our lives, we wonder why God knows a lot about us and we don't know anything about God. It's because we've done all the talking. As you hold these elements, I want you to ask God and then I want you to be silent. I want you to ask God, God, how are you calling me to be holy? Because it's different for every person in this room. It's different because we're all at different stages of life, relationship to God, phases and segments and different nuances and personalities. He created you all holy, but you got to live there now. So I want you to hold these elements in front of you. And I want you to be silent before God and just ask the question, God, how are you calling me to be holy? And then stop talking. The night Jesus had Passover, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. He said, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. You guys, You're holding the very body of Jesus that died for you so you can be living a life separate from this world. Before we continue with the elements, I want you guys to take this time now. I'm going to give you a few minutes and I want you to ask that question and be silent. Father God, we give this time to you now. We know that you've called us to be a holy people. You've called us separate from this world. And it's all by the imperishable blood of Jesus. It's all by the imperishable seed, the word of God. And now we open our heart to you, holding the very body that was broken for us. And we ask you, God, how are you calling us to be holy?
Speak to us now, God. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you gave your life so that we can have eternal life. We're so thankful that your son died on the cross, rose again, and by his blood we are free. And we thank you, Spirit, for moving in our hearts. For speaking to us when we need to hear. For leading us through the wilderness in times of good, in times of bad. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On that night, he broke the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. took a cup he said this is the covenant this is the new covenant of my blood and he poured he said this is my blood that was poured for you as you drink no this is the blood that was poured for you that enables you to live a life of holiness and separation. Let's drink together. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.